Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Brazen Education. This is a part two. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did So You Want to Be a Teacherpreneur, part one, where I told you guys about how I made the shift from being an educator full time to doing um, my entrepreneur work full time. Um, but I also know that I didn't start off full time. I started doing stuff on the side. I had a really good side hustle going on. And that's where a lot of people start. They start um, on the side because we all have lives. We need to sustain ourselves. And so sometimes you just can't take that leap. And so I thought it would be great to bring on three awesome educators that I know so they could tell you about their journey and give you some tips about what they did to go into the entrepreneurial space in the lens of education. So today I have with us uh, Diamond Malone Gilbert. Um, her company is a Mrs. DMG Tutoring. I also have Emily Dills. Her company is Emily Dills Coaching. And then I had Traciana Miller. Um, she also goes by Trey. Um, and she has Passionate Healthcare Training Academy, LLC. So uh, welcome, ladies, to the show today. And so I'm going to jump right into it. How What spoke to you or what made you say, hey, I'm going to try to start my own company while also having a main job, also doing education? Sorry. Um, so for me, the pandemic was actually very helpful. <laughs> So I had a lot of people tagging me on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. Um, they were looking for tutors because, of course, during the pandemic, we had parents who were like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do all this work. So people were tagging me. They knew I was a K, uh, K5 uh, educator. So that was kind of an easy way for me to just dabble right into starting tutoring. So I was able to have quite a few kids on my caseload for a while. Um, and then once we got back into teaching, I still was able to maintain some of those clients um, now, so. Diamond, I'll, I'll hop on and uh, agree with you. I think the pandemic kind of made some light bulb moments for me as well, because as an educator in the walls of a school, um, for the past year and a half, we didn't always have that building of a school to be in. And so my mission was really to connect families with what was happening within the classroom and, and thinking outside the box and outside of the school building and being able to provide experiences for families within the community and utilizing local businesses to be able to support those experiences where families can still connect and build relationships, but it not always having to be within the six hours of the school day. My journey was a little, is a little different because I'm actually um, a registered nurse and I have my master's in nursing education. So I started actually my journey to actually become an entrepreneur was back in 2016 when I was teaching um, clinicals. That's when I first got my vision to actually want to become an entrepreneur. Um, then I, that's how I merged into the high schools and teaching the health sciences curriculum. 
so then uh, I had my last daughter and I had to put it on hold. So yes, last year that with the pandemic and so forth, that's when I actually launched it. Um, so I do CPR and tutoring as well. So my tutoring aspect came under me actually being a nurse educator. So that's how my journey uh, is now. And one of the keys I'm hearing from all three of you is that the pandemic kind of was like that catalyst to get started. And I totally agree with that because I was doing stuff on the side. And with the pandemic, when you're virtual, even though I was like working hard to do my job, there were these downtime moments where I'm like, oh, I could actually solidify this. Oh, I could reach out to this person. I could actually talk to them during the day because it's hard to have flexibility when you're in a school building, especially I was an administrator for the last two school years. So I had a walkie talkie on me. So I was never really getting downtime. And when you're working remotely, like there's no walkie talkie. I'm like, I could actually like take a phone call and have these conversations. And so I think even though the pandemic has been rough, I think it also has given people the time and the space and the capacity to really flesh out their vision for their entrepreneurial work. And can you guys tell us a little bit about what problem you're trying to solve? Because when you get into entrepreneurship, you're offering a service. So you're trying to fill a need or fill a gap. So what gap did you see um, that you are trying to fill and what solutions are you bringing? For me, um, I would say that my problem that I'm trying to address is the shortage in healthcare, and especially for nurse aid trainers. And also um, with me doing a tutoring component of it, um, I believe that with me tutoring, I can also meet those needs as well. So that's really the uh, problem that I'm trying to solve and address. I get, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> um, well, I'll say for me, um, in the beginning, most of my students were kids that were in kindergarten through second grade, and they needed a lot of uh, reading assistance. And a lot of the um, missing things that I noticed were foundational phonics skills. So for me, creating that base or structure for them was a big um, was a big thing. And then also, I work on math. So right now, I teach Title One. But so I'm not able to teach math and math is my favorite subject. So I'm able to teach math as well um, now through that. So filling in the gaps. For me, it is um, my specific area of expertise is social emotional learning. So how do you look at um, just human interaction, how we regulate our emotions, how we express our emotions and Again, within the walls of the school, there's a lot of amazing things happening by teachers and administrators and school counselors and social workers. But often, in my experience as a teacher, there was this us versus them mentality. It was the school and then it was the families. And so my goal is to really build that bridge and make that connection between family and school because families are with kids just as much as teachers and educators are. And so how do we work together and instead of working against each other sometimes? Um, you know, you hear teachers say, well, they go home and everything's undone and things like that. And a lot of times those are based on assumptions and we don't really know what we don't know. Um, and so parents are their child's first teacher. And I really want to uplift families and connect what's happening at school to what's happening at home. And one of the reasons I have these three ladies on my show today is because I've benefited um, from all three of them. 
Um, so during that pandemic, my during fourth grade, so my twin sons for fourth grade last year were 100% remote. And when it came to math, my background is literacy. Anything literacy, I'm down. Um, I can do math, but I don't have the skills and how to break down math in a way that um, goes to children. So I just kind of called Diamond. I was like, hey, how much are your tutoring services? Because I need help because we got stuck on long division. And if you ever seen like that, um, there's like a video clip somewhere where they're like two plus two and the kid keeps saying five and the parent keeps getting louder and louder uh, because the kid is not saying four. I kind of felt like that with long division that I kept getting louder and louder. That I told my husband, you teach him. You're in the STEM field. You teach them math. He's teaching them. They're not getting it. I had Diamond come over to my house. So she did some in person and she did some remote. And like within like a week, they had it down. So um, she working wonders over there in the math world because, you know, I can do long division, but uh, when it comes to teaching, we all have our gifts and talents, either with our greater or content area, and I can do long division, but apparently teaching long division is not my strong suit. And then when it comes to Trey, Trey and I, um, I actually did, I worked with Diamond too, but I also worked with Trey uh, when she was teaching um, health education, um, but as a minister, you have teachers that need to get their CPR certification. So I just said, hey, do you do that? And she said, sure. And so um, I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit, um, Trey. Can you tell a little bit about how your CPR certification works? Because I know, um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> okay. So what I do is I'm actually an AHA um, instructor certified, which is American Heart Association. So I also offer uh, basic life support for more of the healthcare. care uh, um for healthcare professionals and i also uh offer um um heart saver for more of the well in the medical world we call it layman for civilians like teachers or anyone else who wants to learn um cpr and i also offer a uh, first aid so that's a little bit of what i do under that so and, oh and i also do checkoffs as well so um it's been a pleasure to be able to serve the community and do that no, it was really helpful because in Indiana, as you guys know, you have to have your CPR certification. So I had a teacher that I was supervising that needed her CPR. And I said, and during the pandemic, it's been really tricky because I had to get CPR certified. And it's just totally different during the pandemic. And so I said, hey, can you fill this need? And so she went through her courses and did what she needed to do and got her certification and was able to renew her license. And then Emily, over the summer, did a resilience camp. And which I, I believe it was K6 or K5. And while that was important to me, my kids have been remote 100% um, for fourth grade. And I was worried about how they were going to transition back in with people, to be completely honest. And I know the first day when I dropped them off, I, you know, Emily was waving to the parents. And then she started walking towards my vehicle. And I was like, okay, she's coming over here to clearly have a conversation. Like, this may not be good. So I'm like bracing myself for like, they cut up. And she was just like, they were just kind of to themselves, kind of taking it all in. I think they'll be fine. And I really spoke volumes to the need that uh, that you filled because my sons, had they not had that camp, I don't know how they would have adjusted back into being around kids because they literally have been with mom and dad was like the four of us. And I was working at home. My husband was working at home. They were at home. So they weren't really interacting with no one. And so it was just great. And so they told me and um, 
what I really loved about it was just the activities. My boys came home. Oh, we learned about chess. Oh, we learned about animals. We learned about, you know, taking our time and connecting with other people. So there's a lot of layers to it that I believe that my kids carried over into this year. So it's easy just to like find some random people that you see on the internet, say, hey, tell me about yourself. But I really like to promote people that I can like put my, I guess, my educator barn stamp for approval and say, hey, like these people are doing the thing because like I personally have benefited um, from their services. And I do believe they're filling a need in the community. So how do you do this? Like what tips do educators need to know to say, okay, I have my main job. Like what steps did you guys take to really get your businesses up and running? So I'll say um, something that I'm still working on to get better at is the balance um, and intentionally scheduling time for this. So I work as a social emotional learning coach for eight elementary schools um, within our school district. So I, I have a full time job during the day, but I create a schedule for myself where I'm visiting schools, working with teachers and students and families. And I read a great article about your schedule and when there is white space in your schedule and how do you intentionally build in time that is valuable during that white space. Because oftentimes that's when we're checking emails or scrolling social media or all of those things. So I've had to plug in time that I'm working on this and being creative and innovative and, and thinking towards a long-term vision within my schedule. Obviously within the school day, that gets really busy. So sometimes it's blocking it in in the evening after my son goes to bed or early in the morning or Saturday mornings and things like that. But for me, when I intentionally put it in my calendar, that holds me accountable. I always want to say the exact same thing as Emily. <laughs> it's definitely making sure you're balanced and you have everything organized. So I, before all of this, I was not really into having a Google calendar. I just was really good at just remembering what I needed to do. Sometimes I need a reminder, but now I have to have everything plugged and chugged into my Google calendar to make sure that yes, I can have time for you know this student to go here or this student to go here. But that's kind of the joy of that is that you're able to have this flexibility too. So you can make it as much or as little as you want um, with your own entrepreneurial business. Um, so that's something that I really like. So if I know that I can take on more students, I do. And if I know that I might need to cut back a little, like I'm able to do that as well. But that's all a part of making sure you're balanced out with your own life and your own, you know, normal day-to-day -day schedule with work. Um, but yeah, I think that's the best part is being able to be flexible with your schedule. Yes, I also agree um, about the flexibility. I always, the only time I, well, me being an RN, the only time I never really worked one job is when I was actually in the high school was teaching um, health sciences because I didn't have the quote unquote time to do it. I was always kind of used to juggling more than one job at the same time. So I would also add that basically, well, me, I'm a planner. I know life doesn't like go ABCD, but I try to have it that way. Um, so I would just say that I always, um, Planning. Planning is important. I know things happen, but I think you need to be able to plan. So planning, yes, balancing, because I have three girls um, and they're all young. So I think that's important as well. And also being organized. So that's what I would say. And I think it's important to note um, 
that, you know, myself, Trey and Emily, um, we're all moms. And sometimes people think if I have a main job, I'm, I'm a parent, um, if I have a spouse, like I can't do these things, but like the schedule really does help. And like, I, I do have time where I just do whatever, but my life is, is pretty scheduled. Like I schedule in date nights with my husband. I schedule in quality time with my kids because if it's blocked out on my calendar, I won't take that time because sometimes you'll say, oh, Friday's family time. But then someone will say, hey, are you free on Friday? I say, oh, sure. But if I have that literally on my calendar, it's like, oh, no, I, I have a meeting. I have an appointment now. And sometimes my appointments are with myself. So it's just I just block that time out and I'm just going to go watch Netflix. I'm going to catch up on whatever series that I haven't gotten to watch because I've been doing other things because I also think that's an important part of the time. So um, you heard it from all um, these ladies um, utilize a calendar. You really have to check. And I do multiple things. Um, myself. And so there's time where I write my articles. There's time when I edit other people. There's time where I have to carve out to do the little logistics of business, like keep track of stuff I may want to use um, on my taxes, uh, you know, refresh my website, update it, add stuff. Um, so can you guys talk a little bit about maybe your social media presence or how you are connecting to other people to let them know about your business and your services? I would say that's an excellent question because to be honest, I'm actually an introvert as well, <laughs> believe it or not. So um, I would just say I started out by basically doing um, word of mouth. And then my husband, he's he does a lot of marketing and so forth with websites and stuff. So he helped me with a lot of that. But most of my business actually come from uh, word of mouth and social media. So I'm actually trying to get out there and connect with a lot more people so that I can... Um, grow and be a benefit to the uh, community. Yeah, I would agree with you, Trey, that um, I, I am actually naturally an extrovert, but I, I feel like I have this guilt on social media that I'm going to annoy people if I post too much. But I've been working with a personal and professional coach, and he's kind of guided me through understanding like the algorithm of social media and that when you post something, there are only like X amount of people that are actually seeing it. So doing it in multiple ways, multiple avenues consistently, that is something that I'm working to balance and scheduling in that time where I do that. Um, I'm trying to find more of a presence on LinkedIn professionally. I find that that has opened a door with lots of different avenues professionally versus Facebook and Instagram and things like that. But that's also another personal way to connect with many people that I know on more of a personal level. Something else that I'm that I've been trying to do more of um, because I am a mom and I know moms are busy and it's not just moms. All people are busy, of course, but utilizing short video clips because people can watch that while they're in the car. They can listen to it. They don't have to always read it. So that is something I'm diving into a little bit more just to have like small, like two minute videos um, that show things that I'm doing within my home with my family so people can connect with that like human connection aspect. Um, for me, mine has more so been uh, word of mouth um, more than anything. And that's kind of been enough for me so far, because I feel like if it's expanded a little too much that I wouldn't be able to manage it right now, at least. Um, but yeah, so word of mouth. And then 
Something else that I discovered during the pandemic was a teachergram. I didn't know that world existed, um, but it's a whole nother thing. Like it's, there's a ton of teachers out there that you can learn from and just see all the different things that they're doing. Um, and so there are tons of teacher teacherpreneurs out there that are doing more than even just tutoring or even like creating TPT products. It's just, it's amazing to see all the things that you can do as a teacher outside of your normal uh, teaching schedule. So I've been trying to use that more so as a learning platform um, also and just kind of showcasing just my personal self as a teacher. Um, but as far as getting students in um, for services, that's more so word of mouth for me. And word of mouth is super important because that's like the best advertisement when someone you know says, hey, I use this service and it's pretty great and you trust that person that's really great. And then because the social media, it is a learning curve learning all the different types of social media versus like what you put on Twitter. Like one of the things I have learned if I want to write a quote and I want to post it multiple places, I start with Twitter because Twitter has a word limit. So then I can copy that from Twitter and put it on my uh, public Facebook page, then put it on my Instagram and then put it on my LinkedIn. So I, I always start with Twitter if I'm using quotes, but then I try to change stuff because um, Instagram is its own little world and um, I'm not the best with in Instagram, um, but I will say I do love checking out Diamond Stories um, from her classroom. I, it's like it's like my little show. Like I tune in just to watch the story. They like literally crack me up. So um, just giving that that presence and making people connect. And I had a mentor that says like, you need to show like more of your personal side. And like Emily said, I was like, I just posted this. Do I like really need to post this again? But I've gotten really good at um, even right before a show, I will post, hey, happening in an hour, happening in 15 minutes. Because some people say, oh, I didn't even see the post about happening in an hour until like later that day. So however the algorithm goes, I have learned that for the most part, unless someone's going to your particular page every single day, they might not see half the stuff that you post. And so posting things multiple times um, does it. And then for those of us who are on a schedule, you can schedule things to post. So I do a Twitter chat with my friend uh, Nikia, Nikia Garland, who is a um, English teacher at Arsenal Tech. I'm called um, Brazen Combos, and we schedule all the questions. So that, that chat just goes by itself. We're on there, but then I don't have to worry about trying to type in the questions as the chat is happening. It's scheduled in advance. And I even do it myself. Like sometimes I'm not actually on the internet. I've scheduled things in advance to post. Um, so it keeps my presence on there. It keeps me up in the algorithms. But that's been really hard for me because I like I just was on here. I don't need to talk to you guys, but in a business, you know, knowing that you exist is the best way to get yourself customers. So we've talked about like the positives. What are some of like the roadblocks or barriers that you face being um, a teacherpreneur? For me, I'm just going to be honest with me um, not actually having stable income and working full time. I'm going to have to say money, <laughs> money. Um, I think that's my biggest barrier. And um, yeah, and time. Now, I know it's weird to say time and plan, but I feel like those are my two biggest barriers. And I also feel with me being actually a I mean, an introvert. That's also a barrier. I mean, it is, but it isn't. But I'm not really 
that much of a talker. So I feel like those are a few of my barriers. And I'm also, I don't know if you guys are the same way, but I'm my worst critique. So a lot of times I'm very hard on myself. And sometimes I feel like I could possibly be doing more or should be farther along, but then I have to realize that everything happens in its own time. So I will feel like those are some of my barriers to being um, an entrepreneur. I think I definitely agree. Um, I think part of mine too is that sometimes I I have a hard time with balance, even though I mentioned that I can balance with my schedule, um, having a planner. But I think sometimes I'll, I don't want to say no to a parent. So I'll just say yes. And then my schedule ends up being filled and then I'm overwhelmed. And then there's some times where I'm like, okay, I need to backpedal. Okay, I need to cut down my schedule a little bit. And then I'm like, but I could have been doing more. Like I had too much time, even though that's time that I probably need to use for like self-care or just, just something else that would also be helpful to me, just mentally, physically, spiritually, anything um, that would help me to be better overall. Um, but I'll feel guilty if I, if not, if I'm not doing something with my time sometimes. So I think for me, just having that balance, make sure I'm not doing too much or too little. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Diamond. I think the biggest challenge for me is prioritizing my time. I feel like sometimes I do a lot of the little things first, a lot of the tasks that are easy, check the box list things. And then I save the big projects to last when really it should be the other way around. And I need to prioritize my time a little bit better. And also um, a piece of entrepreneurship that has been a journey for me that I'm still on is just building that self-efficacy in myself and knowing that I do have an expertise to share and that I don't need to feel guilty about that. And I need to be confident about that to share that with others. Because um, sometimes I think I, I try to, you know, stay humble, which it is important, of course, to stay humble um, and, and, and admit that I don't know it all. But I also need to be confident in what I do know and, and share that with others and, and know that there are people out there that want to listen. Now, all of those things that you guys have shared are things that I can totally relate to um, being an introvert. And sometimes when people meet me in person, I mean, I have someone told me that I'm kind of socially awkward. I'm like, OK, that's not I don't know what you call this because that was kind of rude. <laughs> I felt. But um, sometimes I'm just not the most talkative person. And a lot of times I go places with people just so I can have someone to be comfortable to talk to because the whole networking thing, I'm not really good at it because I'm. Because people, I'm like, I don't want to talk about myself. I just want to eat like the veggies and sit down and let the show happen or the program that I'm there. But I know that's also important to network. And I feel like I'm getting better at it. But that is hard for me to do the networking piece. And then believing in yourself and knowing it. Um, I got interviewed for an article and the um, editor of the publication wrote back to me and said, I just found out that you are the uh, editor-in-chief of NDK12 and you didn't tell me that. And I said, well, no big deal. And she's like, that's super important because I follow you guys. And I didn't know that you were the person that, that was one of the people behind it. And so they actually edit like my little name. And after that, I actually started telling people I was the editor of the publication because I never told anybody that. I just told people I wrote for the publication. Like nobody really knew I edit. And so just getting that confidence in yourself to say like, I'm doing this, but being confident to say like, this is my job. And even recently I had to, go to the podiatrist um, 
getting some custom orthotics. I, I'm not telling you how old I am, but I'm old enough to need those. <laughs> and I had to fill out the form and it says, what is your job? And I wrote down um, an um, entrepreneur and I wrote what actually I did. And that was like the first time I wrote. And I know no one's, well, you guys know, I just told you, but it was just going to go into my little file in the back of the pajarius office. But even those little steps of saying like, I, this is my job. This is what I do. And I'm getting my business cards updated to say that. So it's all those little steps um, that really helps us believe in ourselves. And so you all have websites, um, I believe, um, and not Diamond, but uh, Emily has a website. So, and Trey, your website is coming. So I will definitely put those links um, on the internet. Um, but when it comes to interacting um, with people, do you guys do contracts? And if you do do contracts, do you have any tips for people when it comes to like your work, your time, your pricing, how does that work for you? Because a lot of times we tell people, oh, you have a talent, um, you should go into business. But sometimes we need to talk about like, how do you actually negotiate your time and your rate and your price? So can you talk a little bit about that? So I have a contract for tutoring. Um, so at first, I, when, I, when I first started, I was like, I don't know if I really should make a contract. It's just it's just tutoring. But I think that's a big deal because I want to make sure that I am being paid for my time. So I'm taking out this hour of my time, if not more sometimes, um, to make sure I'm giving your child the specialized attention that they need. So I think that it's important that we do have a contract. Um, and then on top of that, I also did include like if you're late beyond a certain time and if you don't show up, like you've wasted my time, you know, you might not, you know, didn't think of it that way. So you will still have to pay a fee for that. So I tried in my contract to lay out everything that might be in question. Um, and not everything had a price necessarily to it, but I definitely think that pricing is hard for me. So a lot of times when people have asked me how much I charge, I tell them and they're like, that's it. Or I've had some comments like, that's not nearly how much I've paid for my time to get tutored by this teacher. So I think that's another little struggle that I'm having is um, making sure I'm actually charging my worth. So that's something that I have to reanalyze again as I go back over the contracts again for this school year. Um, it's making sure that I actually am charging what I feel like I actually deserve. Because that was a worry for me. I don't want people to feel like my tutoring wasn't affordable or that I was charging too much just because I could. Because I definitely don't want to do that. I want to be able to service all students. And I know that some parents can't afford a certain amount. So um, still knowing that I deserve to you know, earn a certain amount as well. So I think that's something that's important to keep in mind when you do have a contract. So make sure you lay out all your expectations and anything that might come in question, make sure you have that outlined as well. And then I have an attorney who also looked over. So there's that. I would also say the same as uh, what Ms. Diamond said. I'm actually in the process of um, getting my first contract to be an independent um, nurse contractor for um, to do clinicals. So I would say that, first of all, in order, you have to know your worth and do like a market analysis and based off of your experience. Um, because sometimes I have found that people might try to lowball you, but you have to come back and um, say that, no, I am qualified and certified to do A, B, and C, and this is, you know, my worth. And I also know that not all money is good money. So you have to be wise about who you partner with and, you know, who you don't partner with 
and be very uh, uh, strategic about it because if not, um, and I actually I don't talk about it too much, but I think with me wanting to help everyone, that's also a barrier. Um, I kind of let, um, I was in the process of working, doing a contract and working for this girl to go in and do um, assessments for her. And she actually took advantage of me and owed me like, I'm not gonna say it was a lot of money. So after that, I, I will also say what Diamond said, make sure you have an attorney. So after um, I got, um, with that situation with her, I actually, which I probably should have did it first, but I guess, you know, when you're in entrepreneurship, you live and you learn. I did, I now have an attorney. So whenever I, so for this next contract, I'm getting ready to, you know, pursue, I'm going to have, I told the person I'm going to do it with, hey, I'm going to send this to my attorneys first. And I think when we mention the attorney, we think that it's a bad thing, but it's not. So, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with both of you. I think um, I do have contracts, especially with like, a, there's a specific after school organization that I have a year contract with that um, was through funding from a grant. And so I was able to go through some formalities with them to ensure that we, we understood when the contract was starting, what it entailed, what my responsibilities were and expectations to be, be a consultant to provide for this organization. And then um, like Diamond, well, like both of you said, just being able to lay out all of the pieces to that. So we both are on the same page regarding all of that. I also do invoices with them. So they get a monthly invoice from me. And that's been a learning curve for me just to ensure that, you know, I have a formal template that I use, that I, I document all of the things that I'm doing within the month with that organization. And then also I've done some, you know, short-term contracts where I provide professional development for a staff. And so that was a lot of like talking with people within the organization and asking what they have paid in the past for consultants to come in and speak with their staff. And so being able to kind of look at that and then look at what my like hourly rate would be and being able to kind of price point there as well. And also like both of you said, um, kind of picking and choosing, knowing that you, you might say yes to a lot of things at the beginning, but then as you go and, and kind of gain more experience, there are some things that you can say no to. And I've also thought about, you know, what is what speaks to my mission and what I want to do? And those are the things I'm going to say yes to. And there are some things that I'm going to say yes, and I, I might it would be completely free because it really speaks to my vision and it's more about developing a relationship. And then later on, you know, growing that piece. Um, and then there are other things that I, I don't have to say yes to because it, it doesn't really speak to what I'm trying to do. Now, experience is the best teacher. I was on the other side of engaging with someone who was my friend and I did not have a contract and it went south really fast. And that experience of being on the other side, being like the client and not going well because I didn't have a contract between me and that person. When I started my work, I'm like, I know I have to have a contract, but then I'm like, what do I charge? Like, I just didn't have a clue. And the next thing I did was like, I need a mentor because you see all these people on the internet doing stuff, but it's not really clear. And you go to their website and like, okay, didn't stay on their website. So how do I figure out? And so one of my mentors said, well, what is your hourly rate for your current job? And I was a minister. And I'm like, I don't know, because teachers for salary, we know our salary is, we get paid every other week. We don't think much about it. 
And so he told me that uh, at least he said, if you're going to start somewhere, at least start with what your current hourly rate is for your current job. And I'm like, I'm like, I didn't even think about that. So that's one place to start at. But the other thing, another mentor I had used to be our principal. And he pulled up contracts that he had paid for from various consultants to show me how much schools typically pay. And then the other thing I did is I went online just to look at. So because I do professional development, that a lot of schools can pay for that out of their Title II money. Well, you can find out what the big lump sum that that school got for Title II and kind of do your own digging to see what stuff they are already paying for to kind of price yourself. Because one of my, I do some contract work in Indy, but I also am doing some contract work in a rural school district that um, that city actually has 6,500 people. So I know they're not going to have a big Title II budget at a big school district. So also knowing that and, you know, what you guys said about speaking to like a mission and a vision, because there are people I've just said no to because on one hand, it's like, yeah, I get that, get money. But I'm like, I do I want to be associated with this group or this organization or this particular school? I don't know if I, that what you're doing aligns with me. And then I'm, I'm pretty brazen about what I do. I'm pretty like hardcore. So it's like, if, if I, how I present and what I do makes you uncomfortable, then that's not going to be a good relationship. And so I also want to speak to the attorney piece because when you say attorney, people freak out. Like, you you are a teacherpreneur. How are you paying for an attorney on a teacher's salary or, or on your entrepreneurial work? And actually, I, I have a lawyer that I use to do my trademark um, because I had a whole situation with that. So I got a lawyer and a lot of lawyers, people don't know this. Sometimes they'll flat fee. So you're not necessarily paying them by the hour. You're paying them for the service. And so once you pay somebody for that service and you get a contract, you can like use it and you can tweak it. So for me, I typically send a letter of engagement. I talk to the person, get to know them because every school, every client is different. Then I send a letter of engagement saying, you know, based on this, this is what I propose. Then if they agree to that, then I send like a formal contract, which lays out what my hourly rate is, what my time is. If I'm traveling to you, what my, uh, I'm charging you for mileage and gas. And some people may think that's silly, but it's like, if I'm driving one or two hours out of Indy, and, back, and coming back, I need to be compensated for my gas and getting there and getting back. Um, and at some place, I even negotiated down, are you providing me lunch if I'm there all day? And I know that sounds silly, but if I'm going to a city that I haven't been in and then I have to figure out what I'm going to eat, yes, I could carry my lunch. But if they will provide something, that's also great. So just getting out there and negotiating out all the little details just makes the work better. And you have something to fall back on um, to end a relationship potentially if, you know, the needs aren't being met. And then the other tip I'll give um, is no school board schedules. Two of my contracts go through school boards. And if I want to get paid on time, I have to get my invoices in before the school board meeting so it can get on the school board agenda so it can get approved. And don't be nervous about the school board because typically for the most part, um, there's just a checkbox. Um, if they're taking an invoice from you, it's just a legal proceeding that they have to do to approve it. And then you get paid. So I'm so glad to hear that all of you are using contract because I think that's the biggest um, barrier that people have. They enter into these verbal agreements and then what you thought you were doing and what they thought you were going to do. Or it's like, I'm not available around the clock. So if you're calling me for a coaching conversation, I'm going to bill you. And I say that up front and it's so weird to feel like, 
a conversation I used to do for free. Now I'm charging you for it, but you are uh, worth uh, those things and you are worth um, that time. And so I've taken the leap to go full time. What would you guys need to take that leap to say, this is what I'm doing and walking away from maybe like a full time position? What do you need for that? I think for me, it would be trusting that it would be consistent along the way. So just making sure like so I know that's where contracts come in, but just making sure that I'm still building up that clientele base. And there's just so much that goes into that. So I think for me, in order to do tutoring full time, that's what it would take is for me to make sure that I have all my things put in place to make sure I have my marketing done correctly, my contracts, they're they're right. <laughs> um, and just making sure that I have a good, solid base to start with to at least make what I was making before, if not more, because the goal, obviously, I want to make more. But yeah, in order to do that, I think I would have to yeah, have those things. Um, and honestly, I think even with tutoring, I don't know if I'd do so much tutoring because tutoring would more so be obviously outside of school hours. So after school. So you only have a certain chunk of time that you can work with those kids. Um, and some kids do after school programs and things like that. So I think for me too, like I would probably even shift it more to like a homeschool model as opposed to doing something like just tutoring. Um, Cause I do love teaching. So just to be able to kind of still do what I love at a homeschool setting would be great too. I think for me, um... This is a really hard question, and I, I think you guys would probably all connect to this because we're all educators, and so it's really hard for me to ever feel like I would be detached from the school environment, so I think I still need to be able to be working with kids, working with teachers, working with school leaders, always in some capacity, but that full-time aspect, as we all know, takes a lot of time, and so that's the world I'm living in right now where this is like extra and then everything else comes first. And, and when this is extra, it's always last, it feels like. So to be able to prioritize this, I think the biggest thing for me would be able to um, find other people that are experts in certain areas that can support me. Because right now I'm trying to do the marketing, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that, but there are people that are, are skilled in creating digital flyers and like what you were saying, Shantae, about how you schedule your discussion questions and things like that. People that are skilled in those things, I think I need to lean on them a little bit more so then I can provide the content and then allow them to support me in the areas that they are experts in. And I think that will help me drive that a little better instead of trying to juggle it all myself. I think that for me, what I need, and this might sound kind of weird, is I feel like I need to uh, get out there more so that um, I can bring in more clientele. And right now, a lot of my stuff that I do is um, I go out, so I'm virtually uh, mobile, but I feel like I need uh, an actual stationary uh, location for now. I do think that one thing that I have, and I feel like I've been blessed with, is um, I have pretty uh, good network of people who've um, helped me along the way. 
um, I connected with, like, I, for instance, I have a business coach and um, a mentor, you know, and the preceptor and stuff like that, as far as that goes. So I feel like I've been blessed um, in that aspect, but I think that's more what I need. So I don't, I'm not sure if you ladies actually wrote, have written a business plan. Uh, some people do, some people don't. But for me, it, it, I'm not a writer, so I was kind of nervous about doing that. But I actually um, finished my business plan, so now kind of everything is in my head, and I actually know, like you know, the vision and where I'm actually going. And I'm, I do know that um, things you you can go back and review your business plan, and also about being an entrepreneur. The main thing that I had to realize was, like Emily said, you cannot do everything by yourself. Um, and especially being a nurse, I'm used to being, you know, very autonomous. And But I feel like I'm a pretty good delegator, <laughs> at least my husband says. So anyway, you know, I like to tell people what to do, you know, you know. So I think, yeah. No, and that's super important. And building, like in the classroom and when you're a teacher, you have like your... Uh, your teacher friends or your people that you work with or when you lean on. When I was an English teacher, I struggled with teaching grammar. So I had those teacher friends who were helping me, like, this is how you can teach us better so kids will get it and it will stick. And so in the entrepreneurial world, you really need to make those relationships and making a business plan is key because I was talking to one of my mentors and he's like, well, what do you do? And I said, oh, why well, do some writing? I do some, he was like, so you've talked for like five minutes. If you're going to meet somebody, you have to, in like a nutshell, be able to say, I do this. And so now I can say that I do professional development. I do coaching. I do mentoring. And I can help you um, put out your school through the written form. So I can say that now succinctly without going into this whole long thing. And then that lets someone know upfront whether I'm the person they need or not. But I had to go through that process of writing a business plan to identify what my strengths are. And then what I've gotten good at is saying is, well, I don't do that, but this person does. And when you start recommending other entrepreneurs, then when they get in that situation, they will say, well, I don't do this, but Shantae does. You should check her out. And so sometimes I've gotten business because I have recommended someone to someone else. And then that person has recommended someone that came to them to me. And so you really can't be in a silo. So when you follow me on social media, I'm really big about sharing and promoting other people. Because if you're coming to my page and you see me promote someone else, um, that may help you fill your need. And then like, you'll remember I did that. And if I am doing something eventually that you need, that will be helpful. So I always tell people that um, if you try to do it alone and you try to make it me, 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 it's so much harder. And there's things, like, there's some things like I don't want to learn how to do, to be completely honest. So I need to find a person who knows how to do that because like I didn't, I write, but I don't write contracts. So I needed someone to help me like get a contract together because I don't want to take, could I learn to do it? Yeah, probably, but that's time. Do I want to take time away from my life to learn to do this tad or do I want to connect with someone who's already doing it well? And I am just so glad I had all of you on here. So what I'm going to do is give you each just um, a moment to give your final thoughts to our audience about entrepreneurship and just um, anything that you would want them to uh, no, and I'm going to start with Okay, I would have to say don't be afraid of just getting out there. 
I believe that we all have fear and we have to be able to overcome them fears, those fears. If you are a fearful person, that's okay to be fearful, but you need to act upon it. I would just say, get out there and just um, roll with it. Um, trust that you can do it. And everything is not going to be all flowers and daisies and so forth. And also when the hard times come, remember your why. I remember uh, when I went to my first seminar last year, when I was first thinking about really getting out there, the person told me to remember my why. So when those times get hard, you can go back and realize that why you're doing it. A lot of times it's not about the money, but um, so just stay focused. Don't give up and just know that. And, what try to make an impact so that's what um i would like to say so the why statement was exactly what i was going to say staying grounded in what you value what is most important to you and how does that show up in your actions and what is your mission what what we talked about today what pain points are you trying to address what service what challenges are you trying to meet with your mission and staying true to that and really defining what that is i think that is something that i've been a journey on a journey on for the past year is really articulating what my why is is and why I do what I do and why I'm so passionate about it. And then anytime I um, second guess myself or meet barriers, I need to stay grounded in that and that will keep me moving forward. Also, the self-efficacy, the confidence piece in just doing the work and putting yourself out there. I think I have been apprehensive in the past where I'm waiting for everything to be perfect. I'm waiting for my website to be done. I'm waiting to have a professional headshot. I'm waiting for all of these things to seem very buttoned up and ready to go. And so I spend so much time in that planning phase and I'm not putting anything out there. I'm not putting anything to action and then nothing happens. And so I think just going outside of your comfort zone and just letting things sometimes be messy and be imperfect, but just being who you are and putting yourself out there and doing the work so you can learn through those experiences um, would be my best piece of advice. So I agree with both of the ladies. So I think making sure that you believe in yourself, you know, you're confident and the, thing, the things that you um, have built. So making sure you, um, you, sorry, making sure that you know that you know what you're talking about, you know what you're doing. Um, and just understanding that, yes, it is going to be hard, but there are also tons of rewards that come from this. Um, so you have the flexibility to make it um, as do as much or as little as you want to do with this. So it's all about what you do and how you make time for things. So making sure you're staying organized and just like we said before, making sure that you also are networking, connecting with people who can help to get you to where you also want to be. So just trusting in yourself and making sure that you're staying connected and organized. Well, I thank you so much for being on here today. Um, it's one thing for me to tell you about myself, but I'm not the only person out here in the education space doing this. And so I thought it was super important to bring three people um, from three um, different backgrounds and different lenses and how they enter the entrepreneur space. Um, once this um, continues to get shared online, I will definitely put information 
Um, so you can find them on social media and you can connect uh, to them because they are offering um, services that are filling needs um, in our uh, education community. And I highly um, recommend that you connect uh, with them and um, make a connection um, to them so they can continue to bring great things to our school environment and our community. So ladies, thank you so much. And guys, I will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.